you've tuned into Invisi Youth Chat Sessions, a video podcast series. Our episode starts right now. Here's your host, Dominique Vale. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Invisi Youth Chat Sessions, where you can check in for your dose of stigma-breaking, empowerment-building, humor-filling life hacks, and motivation tips for all the medically adultish people in life. I'm Dominique Vale, the founder of Invisi Youth, and your host for today's episode, which is Season 2, Episode 19. And today, I can say we are very excited about our special guest, because we are going to be talking about some of the most addressed and most asked questions that a lot of you guys have been wanting us to bring into the video podcast series talking about not only building self-confidence and building confidence in the different work careers that you are looking for and goal chasing with different types of health struggle or disability, but then also the idea of dating with chronic illness and disability. And I can say we found the perfect guest that is a fusion of both with her work in filmmaking. So I can really say I'm so happy that she really brings this confident and accurate diverse representation in film and then also really is such a motivator. So today, we are going to be talking to a newly LA girl, Ashley Eakin. Ashley was born with a rare bone condition, which is Ulier's and Mafuchi syndrome, where um, benign cartilaginous tumors develop near growth plates. And at the end of 2017, a lot of you had become familiar with who Ashley is when she shared her life journey with a feature on Soul Pancake, which now has over 59,000 views. It's such a viral hit this video and we're definitely going to be linking that below as well so all of you can check it out for the very few of you who haven't done that yet Ashley's passion for filmmaking was a real fusion with her immense sense of wanting to advocate for others that live with physical difference and disability and building those next steps of her career really show that fusion of activism and creative work in films Ashley's been behind the camera on numerous films I'm going to be dropping some serious names so get ready for that she's worked behind the camera with the director John Chu for Crazy Rich Asians and worked on the pilot of Good Trouble, which is a new show on Freeform. Now Ashley is taking the reins and doing short films on her own. She's created a short film, Blue, last year in 2018, which focuses on the power of vulnerability for young adults living with chronic illnesses. And she has recently just raised funding for her new short film, which is going to be called Single, which focuses on the complexities of dating with disability and confidence. Ashley Ashley also this year became one of eight women selected in the American Film Institute's director workshop for women and will be in their 2020 program. So she's really ready to empower, enlighten, and uplift people through the arts and through filmmaking. So we are so here for everything that Ashley is doing, and I want to officially welcome her to the show and for all of you guys. Hi, Ashley. How are you? Good. Nice to be here. This is this is awesome. Good. I'm so excited. I, I'm really um, looking forward to having a whole podcast episode with you, and I know our guests are going to be very excited about this as well. So I feel like we yeah. should just jump right in and let all of our guests get to know Ashley a little bit better, and we're going to go into our first segment, which is called Remember the Last Time. Remember the last time. Do you remember the last time? With Remember the Last Time, this is our one of our best ways to get to know our special guests, learning about the last things that they've done. Both funny and insightful, this is the way for all of you guys to gain some fun knowledge about the last things that Ashley's done. So, Ashley, first question, what was the last text message you sent? Um, the last text I sent was 
saying goodnight to my boyfriend. (laughs) Very nice. I love that. So if you had to pick three foods for your last supper, what would they be? Um, I would have to say, I don't know if you guys have this over there, but Sugarfish. So it's like a sushi place. I think, I think there is one over in New York. Um, but it's a sushi place. So I'd say Sugarfish, a lychee martini and a chocolate chip cookie. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's amazing. (laughs) Um, what would be the last book you've read? Um, I'm reading a book right now. It's called On Making Movies by Sydney LeMay. Oh, cool. And I have to, um, read it for my AFI program. So. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. In like the that. middle of it right now. And it's <laughs> very interesting to see how the film industry has changed since 1994 when this book was written. Oh, cool. No, that is really neat. Um, what about the last Instagram account that you def- like made a quick follow? Um, I think it was last night I followed... Little Minx Films, which they're like a production company in LA. They liked one of my photos, and I was kind of like, "Oh, this is oh. cool." They're like empowering diverse directors, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna follow you guys." <laughs> I love that. Um, what about what would be the last travel destination that you would love to return to? Um, when we were shooting Crazy Rich Asians, we went to this place in Malaysia called Langkawi, okay. and we shot there for about a week. And it's like, it's almost like the Hawaii of Malaysia. And we, we stayed this the Ritz Carlton there. And it was just oh my God. so luxury, amazing. <laughs> and it's all like was paid for by work. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> Going back again. Day like that, but um, it was so beautiful. And just like I paddleboarded for the first time, which I didn't even know if I could do. Awesome. And it was just kind of like, it was an amazing experience. You see it all like in the film, like when they go to the bachelorette party, that's where we, we shot it. Oh, and so. I, that from top to bottom, that movie is just like a tourist dream of picking places yeah. from top to bottom. I was always like, you were there for every <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I was literally there for every scene. I love that. <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> um, what would be the last time that you got some really great advice? Um, I don't remember my, someone told it to my boyfriend and it was about the film industry and it was like, keep your head down and do the work. Mm, I like because that. I think a lot of times, um, we sometimes like, this has been happening to me too. Like looking at stuff on the internet and seeing what people are doing and feeling maybe like you're behind mm. or oh, like, how do I get in connection with that person? Or how do I do this and that? And it's like, focus on the work and what you're doing right now. And then hopefully it'll speak for itself and kind of get noticed. So I think sometimes it's better to like shut down the Instagram, shut down, you know, the social media and just kind of focus on the work and to like, you know, keep your head down. Oh, I like No, that's such good advice, especially with social media nowadays. You always can see what other people are doing and wondering if what path you're on is the right one. Um, So yeah, totally. I really like that. Um, what would be, what would be one of the last charity projects that you either volunteered for or that you got to work with? Um, so I am a part of this, uh, I actually got a scholarship from a charity called Cancer for College. Oh, cool. So when I was a, related to my bone disease, I actually had ovarian cancer, like these tumors grew and I had it twice when I was 18 and 20. Mm-hmm. And so I got a scholarship from them and they helped me pay for college, which is like an amazing, if anyone out there has had 
cancer, you should look up Cancer for College. They're an incredible organization. Like Will Ferrell kind of heads it. Oh, nice. Um, he's like the face of it. And his best friend, Craig Fuller, they were like college buddies. Mm-hmm. And so he started it. Um, and yeah, they provide college scholarships. And they did a big um, day of giving with Jersey Mike's or a month of giving. Oh, nice. So Jersey Mike's in like Southern California partnered with them. And throughout the whole month, they were like their uh, charity partner. So people could donate. And then one day in uh, March, they actually had like all profits went to Cancer for College and they ended up raising over a million dollars. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it was it was amazing. So I went to that like kickoff event and um, kind of talked about my journey a little bit. They showed the film that I made for them, which was really cool. And kind of it's like just a beautiful way to show their story. Yeah. Uh, which is they kind of approached me about it and it was kind of, um, it was cool. It was like, all of a sudden my career kind of came back and like did something for them. So, um, that, yeah, that was the last thing I, I love that full circle moments. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And what I'm going to give you your last, um, your last, last one, um, my last question for this last segment. Um, so what would be the last time someone had contacted you either through your Instagram or from finding your YouTube video, um, that really made an impact in what they had said to you? Um, so it's, she actually reached out to me like right after my video came out. Her name is Connie Gula. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm saying her last name, right? We've like been in contact <laughs> and I was like, I actually don't know how to say her last name. <laughs> um, but she reached out to me right when my soul pancake video came out and she messaged me just on Instagram was like, Oh my gosh, I have all ears and you're like owning it. And I'm really trying to like do that in my life. And she was a junior in high school at the time. Oh, nice. And we connected like something about her. I was just like, I love this girl. (laughs) And we have been talking a ton. And I actually like really wanted to cast her in my last movie, but she was a little too young. And it, um, excuse me. It, um, so she reached out to me. And then we've just been in contact Mm -hmm. and she actually just texted me like last week or a couple weeks ago that she is going to speak in front of her whole class. Like she's graduating this year and they're doing these series where people can give life advice and just talk about things. And she's actually going to go up and talk about having all ears. And like she posted one of her first pictures, like with showing her hand, like in the video or or, being on Instagram. And that's just had a, like her whole journey has had a really big impact on me because it's literally allowed her to open up and just own who she is. And I feel like if I did that at 18 years old instead of 30, like <laughs> I feel like just, you know, I've had like an incredible life and journey, but there's been so much stress on like hiding who I am. Yeah. And so I think if I could have done that for myself at 18, it would have been such an easier journey And so I'm just like, it's just cool to see how it directly has affected someone. And she's like really owning it in the sense of like going in front of her whole class. Yeah. No, I love that. Did you, was that the young girl that you had a photo recently with on your Instagram, I think, or no, no, it was someone else. Okay. (laughs) There's so many stories. Yeah. Like my Instagram, I had like a couple thousand, like a thousand something followers and like overnight went to like 25k (laughs) and so it was like my message it like after that video went out because it's actually so it's on Facebook and on Facebook it went viral and there's like 44 million views stop oh my god yeah so like on YouTube it's kind of like hasn't really gained that traction but on Facebook that's where like most of the people yeah 
they saw it on Facebook. And I still, like, I'll get recognized in a grocery store. That's like, amazing. Like, even, like, near where I'm living now, I just went to the grocery store, and a guy, like, this dad was like, I think I saw you on a video on Facebook. <laughs> it's always this, like, weird thing because it was such a vulnerable video. Yeah. Where, it's, like, they don't really know what to say. They're kind of like, it was so, like, wow, like, that – that was good. <laughs> Thanks. I don't really know. How yeah, to do you you get those stares people. from people looking like they think they recognize you, but they're not yeah. sure what to say. Yeah, and, and I can't tell. I'm like, are they staring at me because my arms and hands look different? Or are they staring at me because they <laughs> have seen me somewhere else before? <laughs> it's one or the other. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, you know, whatever. <laughs> No, I love that. Um, I'm kind of even kind of transitioning off of that when you had mentioned about um, that young girl talking about sort of being coming into being sort of her first time really talking publicly and showing her um, how she physically um, looks and her talking about her health um, with her class when she's graduating. We're going to kind of transition from your lasts to some of your firsts. And we're going to go into our next segment called First Few Words. First Few Words. With first few words, it's been a while since we got to bring this segment back, so I'm happy to get to do this one with Ashley. This is where oftentimes friends, family, strangers, and ourselves, we really don't know what to say or sometimes how to get that ball rolling of conversation. So with this segment, we're going to be addressing all different types of things from living with disability or chronic illness and how to get those first few words that tend to be the hardest out. What are some of the best startup phrases or those first meeting scenarios that you can do? So so the first one I wanted to ask Ashley is um, what are some of like the first few words or the first few things you do or say for your, to yourself each morning? Oh, man. Um, I don't know. There's like a Martin Luther King quote. I hope I'm not going to butcher it. It's something like the most important, like vital question is like, what are you doing for others? Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know. I try to like. I think about all the insecurities and fears and like if I die tomorrow, which like it's always good to think this way every morning, but I'm like, what am I leaving behind and all these things that I'm trying to hide and all these like ego issues that you're trying to like keep on check. Mm -hmm. Do they really matter? Like what's going to last and what's going to like affect people or help or do something to like for the good of the world in a way. And so I try to like have that mentality which it's really hard to do, you know, just as even someone without an an illness or, you know, medical condition. But it's something that I try and focus on is like, is this going to help someone in some way or like maybe down the road or, you know, because like sometimes you can't like do something every day that's going to completely help someone. But I think about like my short, you know, it's like that we can talk more about that later, but it's just, I feel like someone who first looks at it might be like, well, why is this dating story like going to help people? <laughs> you know, it's kind of seems like this like surfacey topic, but it's like more about representation and people in our community having something to look at and be like, Oh yeah. my God, I resonate with that so much. So, um, yeah. So I, I, I try and kind of think 
in that sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that sort of that continuously kind of having that pay it forward mindset in the morning is sort of thinking outside of yourself is definitely a good way to kind of pick it up. I'm, I'm going to be quoting somebody else too. So I'm going to be right with you hoping I'm not forgetting it or butchering it as well. But um, the actress Gina Rodriguez, who's from Jane the Virgin, I remember when she this kept coming up onto our Instagram feed for a while, like the, a few weeks after she had won her Golden Globe. And she had sort of ended her speech was something her dad told her to do every morning, which is she said she would look at herself and say, today's going to be a great day. I can and I will. And just sort of that mindset of reminding yourself every morning that you're going to try at least to move it forward in a good way, whether from that point forward, the rest of the day just keeps going downhill or not. You're at least sort of sparking that mindset of trying to put in like a good mindset at the start of the day, Um, because that really sort of resonated on my end, especially um, which a lot of other people that work with um, Invisiyouth as well and people who've seen your short or or seen your um, video with Soul Pancake and everything in your journey. um, It is sort of trying to find that positive mindset in all the ups and downs of different health struggles throughout life as well is really important to kind of start off the day with. Yeah, I agree. Um, so then what about what would be some of the first things that you would suggest people say if someone asked about your physical difference or asked someone about a chronic illness would be sort of the first things to say? Because I'm sort of thinking more in the sense of a lot of times people will say, oh, we'll be, feel self-confident and sort of embrace your chronic illness or your disability. But sometimes we can be self-conscious when that random stranger or the mutual friend of somebody we're friends with just point blank asks a question about your disability or your chronic illness. So what would be some of the first things you would suggest people how they can react? Yeah, I mean, it's so funny, because it's been such a journey for me. Like, I can remember back in like seventh grade, I'm more like my friends even would ask about it. And I'd like go to the bathroom and cry and not oh. even answer that. <laughs> like, that's so awkward. Why did I do that? <laughs> and now it's kind of like, you know, I a lot of it's funny because I visited a friend who's in the AFI program with me and she had a little niece who was like four years old and we're talking and chatting and like all this stuff. And she comes in the room and I see her kind of wander in and then she's like looking at me and then she like stops and she's like, (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Like what, uh, what, what's wrong with your arms? And like so earnest and sweet. And I'm like, I instantly am just like, you know what? I realize I said I have a bone disease, which she's probably like, I have no idea. No, what I don't know what that means. <laughs> but usually I just kind of address it right away and say like, oh, I have a bone disease or, oh, I have a bone condition. Like my arms were, I was born differently. Um, and kind of leave it at that and make them feel a little comfortable and try not to make it too big of a deal and still show like, yeah, it's okay. You know, like I'm not, I know it like looks different, but not like a scary thing or, um, but it's hard. Sometimes you don't, you know, sometimes people say things, especially when they're adults, it's a little harder and you're like, you should know better than just like, yeah, the four year old can get the pass, not the 44 year old. Always like say weird things (laughs) where you're just like, be like, Oh, you're so short. (laughs) Or they're like, Oh, your arms are really short. Or like, like they'll look at you and kind of be like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm more just in like, oh yeah, I have a rare bone disease. Like I had over 28 or like 30 surgeries now, like corrective surgery. So I have yeah. like a lot of scars and all that stuff. And then I'm just open if they want to ask questions. 
Um, but it's hard. I think people should give themselves a break. Like you don't always have to be like, you know, it's good to, to have it be light, but you don't really owe anyone an explanation of who you are and why you're there. You know, it's like, I'm kind of on this new path of like, I'll explain it to someone, but if it's like over the top, I'm kind of going to shut it down and just be like, so like, why are you so tall? Yeah. What is it like being that tall? (laughs) I don't know. I'm just like, I'm kind of in this place where Mm -hmm. there's a time when it's acceptable and there's a time when it's not. And when it's not, I think people should know, Yeah, you know, I'm kind of like in that space of don't do that to people because I'm on this path where it's not going to ruin my whole day, but there are people who aren't comfortable Mm -hmm. with this stuff and talking about it. So like, don't outwardly just call them out. And that's like the only thing you notice about them. You just feel really objectified and like, I'm also a person and that's all you see, Yeah, you know? So kind of my short goes a little in that direction of the main character kind of has the freedom to say what she's thinking. (laughs) I love it. It's fun, (laughs) but um, it's going to be interesting when it comes out to kind of see the response of the community. Um, But yeah, so I I kind of just, you know, I I tell them right away what it is that I have, Um, at least for like my, my situation. That's kind of like what works. Yeah, I like how you said it too. It was sort of, um, in a way, it's sort of you kind of taking in the power of the conversation of it motivates you just to give sort of a statement and sort of that control of you answering the question the way that you want and then knowing that you still then have control of how you want to maybe continue answering their questions or sort of shut that conversation down because you don't have to be the the medical dictionary of your illness to every person that walks in um, where sometimes people will then get very curious and start asking all different sorts of questions um, where you'll, like you said, social cueing. If you know you're at a group and a a group of friends all out to dinner, you shouldn't be the one sort of listing out your medical history in front of people you don't know. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I mean, it is, it can be off-putting, like, you know, I told, I was telling my boyfriend that it's like interesting. Like you could be having the best day. You feel like the most like badass person, like you're totally like killing it in your <laughs> career or whatever. And you go to the grocery store and a little kid or someone can make you feel just so like an outsider where you're like, mm. wow, is it that big of a deal? You know, but it's kind of coming back to the place of like, okay, they've never seen it before. It is rare. They're curious. I know when I see new things, Mm -hmm. it's like, I want to look, you know, it's not, it's just human nature. So it's kind of like going back to that place too, of knowing that they're not trying to like make you feel bad, but it's, you know, coming from a place of like them being curious. And then this is also an opportunity for you to be like a good representation of the sense of how does this interaction go? Are you rude? Are you, you know, whatever. So it's, it's um, it's just kind of like keep doing it and keep up the fight. Cause it's something, you know, especially like in the community, people have physical differences. Like it's every day. It's yeah. like everywhere you go. And sometimes you forget, like I will sometimes forget that I am different because I'm in the body. I'm not, yeah. not like, you know, I'm unless I'm in a mirror, I don't really like completely know mm-hmm. in that sense. Like it's not always the top of my mind. Yeah. So it is interesting. Um, just kind of when those moments happen and dealing with it in kind of like a graceful way. And if it does make you mad, then like just go to your car and do whatever. (laughs) You're like that jerk. (laughs) Why did he think to ask me that question? (laughs) 
I kind of even explain it too when I've done sort of speaking engagements and people have asked, well, because with my situation and for a lot of the young adults um, that we get to work with, they're sort of, they straddle that invisible illness and visible illness depending on symptoms, which is similar for me. So it, it becomes subconscious that you don't even think that you start to look differently than what's sort of media normal um, until somebody then recognizes it. Because like you said, you are in your own body every day or you have the medical adaptive equipment and the accessories with you all the time. So you don't real register that it's not what everybody else is using because you're with it all the time. So right. it is sort of what I've sort of talked about is this sort of faucet theory. I remember hearing it once in a sociology class at college and it was, well, you can sort of determine the pressure of how much or how little water you want out. So you can sort of drip out information as slow as you want or like fully flood it as much as you want that, but you're in control of how much you're turning that faucet on and off. So that was sort of on my end knowing, oh yeah, okay, I can answer or not. If I, I am not in the mood, if I'm in a lot of physical pain and I'm just trying to get in, get what I need and get out of a store and then somebody feels like stopping me and axing I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm I'm in my own zone and I'm going maybe maybe not today I don't need to be the the yeah. a, the advocate for the community today like you're still a human you know yeah. And kind of even going off of sort of the with you being a filmmaker as well and having worked with other people on other individuals films and then also being in charge on your own. Um, what would I want to sort of suggest? Because a lot of people want to be able to take the entrepreneurship route for themselves, but then also they will get to work for other individuals and work for companies. So what would be sort of the first few things that you would suggest they say or even having colleagues of yours say whether you need um, support or advice from others that you're working with as colleagues or also if you need help while you are in charge as the as the filmmaker on your own set. Right. right. Um, I think it's good to know things up front. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that after the fact you kind of, um, you know, it's hard because I know with sometimes with like illnesses, you don't want to disclose to a job certain things mm-hmm. and it can affect things, which I think that's illegal, but yeah. <laughs> it can. Um, and I, I've always like, ever since my first really like legit job in the industry, I was, um, I had an interview for America's Next Top Model. I was to be the assistant for the guy who created it with Tyra Banks. I and I remember having this moment where I was like, you know, all my other interviews, like I was in college, it was just kind of like, whatever, I never really brought it up. And I also wasn't super comfortable, like bringing it up, even though you can tell, like, my bone disease is something like you can't really tell at first. And then when you start talking to me, and then you start to notice things, you're like, Oh, like, her bones are different, her body's different, she's moving a little differently, like Mm -hmm. all these things you can start to notice. And so it's kind of realizing when someone's like clocking those things of like, Oh, yeah. they just noticed. Oh, okay. <laughs> now like, the voice in the back of your head. <laughs> yeah. And so I made this decision of like, I'm just going to bring this up in the first interview. And it was like, you know, this huge opportunity where yeah. I was really nervous about it. And, um, I ended up like just bringing it up in the interview or maybe it was, no, the girl who first interviewed me was his assistant, and she ended up asking me about it. Oh, okay. And I was very, like, open about it. And then I was like – and she was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, you just wanted to kind of know and, like, understand and whatever. And so then when I had my second interview with the actual guy, um, Ken Mock, I told him in the interview, like, I really feel – like, I framed it like this. I've had over, like, 
25 surgeries at that point. Um, and I've also had ovarian cancer twice, but I feel like it's made me a really strong person and I have, um, a lot of determination. I know how to make the most of life. Like I really framed it as like, this would make me a great assistant and employee Yeah, and I ended up getting the job. And so like I worked for top model for like two years and like traveled with them to like Bali and Jamaica and Hong Kong and like all this crazy stuff. And it was every interview after that, I've been like, Oh, I just bring it up right in the beginning. Cause I used to be like, I'm going to go in and then they're going to see that I'm different and not want to hire me or be like weirded out or feel uncomfortable. But I'm like, if they just know right off the bat, then it's going to be, you know, something that I, they, they know, I know, you know, I, (laughs) I tell them it doesn't really affect my job that much. Sometimes I will have to have surgeries, but like Mm -hmm. I would let them know ahead and I would make sure to get like coverage for them if they needed someone to, you know, step in or just kind of letting them know that this isn't something like I'm full as much capable as anyone else. So if you're going to, you know, like not choose me because of that, like, don't, you know, don't do that. Yeah. Even though they can't. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not allowed. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, well, first I have like serious FOMO over what your passport must look like now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I love how you said that too. It was really, especially of working for someone else in other environments. It really is sort of taking that, taking the ownership role of showing the, the benefits of having a chronic illness or a disability and showing the benefits that it's made you more determined and you're able to adapt adapt faster to situations. So really being able to kind of frame it in that way to a future boss or a future colleague, I think, like you had said, is it really is a benefit. And if they wouldn't hire you because of that, you, I always say framing it on the other side, would you have wanted to work for a company where they would judge other people that are applying for jobs based yeah. on a disability as well, um, which most and of I the time it. you say no. Yeah. And I think it also makes you unique. Like you're yeah. up against so many applicants. Like, how are they ever going to remember you if, you know, like mm-hmm. say there's two people, like, I feel like sometimes I got these jobs, mm-hmm. you know, not, I mean, I definitely have interviewed hundreds of places and not gotten the job. So yeah. <laughs> but I, sometimes I'm like, I see sometimes why like someone like my old boss, John Chu, he likes really unique things. Mm-hmm. He likes the person who has the different edge or spark or something. And so I kind of like, when I was looking for my replacement, you could tell he's like, I'm looking for that spark for like that interesting, you know, thing. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so that's, you know, he saw me and, and, um, probably kind of felt that, but it was interesting, you know, so, yeah. Um, Yeah, no, absolutely. And I even kind of switching on the sort of being in being in charge in that role. If you have to ask questions, even myself sort of being the founder of the of Invisi Youth and having people working underneath me and working with me, if I'm having a bad health setback, or I'm having an issue with I with the type of neurovascular condition I have, and it's affecting my memory or me, my sort of modality on my left side. um, I always will, I tend to be quite sarcastic, as most people who know me know that. Um, So I tend to use humor of axing the people who work for me, I will tend to say, oh, well, what do you think about if we try X or we try Y in these sort of volunteer programs or with our virtual programming and sort of making them feel like they're creating it with me. And then I'll just sort of try to then bring them in on the product. Oh, how about you help me do that? When naturally it's just, I physically need assistance at that point, but I still feel like I'm in charge, which is a benefit when you are in charge of the situation of of your work environment. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's not being afraid to ask for help. Too. Yeah. Like I think owning it instead of like really struggling and then being like, 
no, like I don't need your help. You know, it's like people want to help sometimes. So it's like if I'm doing something that's like physically demanding that someone can tell I'm struggling with, I just let them help me. I'm like, I don't get upset about it. I'm like, okay. Unless it's like, you know, something very easy and you're like, okay, I don't need your help. Yeah. (laughs) No, when it's physical labor, I need help. I will. I have no shame being like, can you, you, you can do this way better than me. (laughs) Yeah. hundred percent. No, I like that. That's definitely, those are a lot of sort of fantastic suggestions for people um, when they're interacting in other situations. And before we get into our intermission segment, which is our fun time that I get to let Ashley take a little control of the show, um, I just want to always thank you guys, always our listeners and our viewers on our podcast and on our YouTube channel for always subscribing, liking, giving thumbs up, five stars, leaving reviews um, on our podcast channels. We thoroughly appreciate it. And as always, um, we're going to have a little link pop up right now below with our donate page on our website because like we always say we um, are 100% of all donations and funds raised go to our virtual programming our resources our advocacy campaigns our leadership programming with our global brand leaders and the events that we get to host internationally for all of the countries that we get to work with these incredible young adults so um, any donations always help us sort of keep the lights on as I say and um, letting us continue to provide all these programs and events for these pretty incredible young people you get to if you're listening or watching you get to see someone that's epically incredible like Ashley now and getting to work with somebody like her and paying it forward is something we're thoroughly appreciative of so thank you all for that and going off of that um, I'm going to take a break from talking and we get to go into our intermission segment so that one time so that one time Um, so I'll tell you, I was trying to think of a bunch of different stories and I was going to go on, um, a bad date story. (laughs) You know what? Like, I don't know if I feel like going down that road right now. Um, I'll tell you something really interesting that happened to me going to the She Lift retreat. So She Lift is this um, organization that Sarah Heron runs, which is for women who have like physical differences and to feel empowerment through like doing outdoor activities and like kind of being in nature. And, um, she was on the bachelor and I connected with her when I was like doing a bunch of fundraising for blue and kind of just like reaching out to people in the community. I like randomly found her website and was like, Oh, this is cool. And like, it used to just be for people who have one arm or like limb difference, like Mm -hmm. with their hands. Yeah. Um, and then she opened it up this year to people who have like different physical differences. Like I came to the retreat. Um, there's a girl who's a little person who came to the retreat. Um, and it was very, um, I kind she like really wanted me to go. She's like, you could like, you know, encourage the girls and all this stuff. And I was kind of like, I don't know if I want to go. Like, I don't know if I want to go. And this is going to sound wrong, but I'm just being very honest right now. Yeah, do it. <laughs> I, I want to go around and like sit around a campfire and talk about how I'm special with other women. I was like, it's I just feel really yeah. vibe. You know, I was just kind of like, I don't know if I'm in that place. I kind of feel like I'm over, mm-hmm. you know, but even having that thought means I'm not over it. Yeah. So I was like, I should probably go. I just told my boyfriend, I was like, I'm just going to go and we'll see what it is. And so I went and it's one of these things where we all kind of met at the airport and we all look different, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you start looking at each other and you're like, oh my gosh, like this girl has one arm, this girl has one hand. This girl has, um, like she has a condition with her legs or her leg was all wrapped up and you're kind of like, 
oh, this is so interesting, but it's like, I want to stare. I was having like this experience of what happens when someone else sees me. You know, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, I like can't help, but I really want to look. You're just kind of like curious. And there was a little girl who was like sitting there and she was kind of like, staring just like what is going on in the <laughs> what world? is this group <laughs> yeah there's all these people who are like different and it was just funny watching her but so I went on this retreat and it was like four days of camping and like we slept in tents and we paddleboarded and we climbed like uh, we hiked in Aspen like it was so cool Mad and amazing props. and you realize like all these women feel the same that I do you know <laughs> they're all kind of like I don't know if I wanted to go to this like we all kind of felt this thing of like you don't, for some reason, what happens when you have like a physical difference, you don't almost want to be associated with people who have physical differences because mm-hmm. you're so insecure about your own condition that you almost want it to just not exist. So yeah. if you're like surrounding yourself, you feel like people, you know, I used to have such a strong reaction to the word like disability mm-hmm. and I used to not want it to be a part of my life, a part of my vocabulary. If yeah. someone called me that, I would cry like so insane now that I'm on the other side of it where I'm like I don't care like I'm disabled I I can totally own that now but it's like at this point and that was that was even just like a year ago yeah where I wasn't sure if I wanted to even still be like doing be a voice in this community because I was just kind of so like it's heavy you know it's very personal it's very like you're having to really like dig into a lot of stuff all the time but so I went on this retreat and it really just like changes how you feel about everything. You know, it was, it was incredible. And I love these people. We all like realized, even though all our physical differences were different from one another, we all had these same experiences of like being able to hide something. And then when people notice or when people realize you have this thing, like that whole process is so specific and interesting and for people to be like, I know exactly how you feel. And -hmm. then even the most like you know, you meet these women that are like the most beautiful people you've ever seen. And they're like, yeah, I'm insecure, like to do this thing. And I'm like, but you're so amazing and so beautiful. I'm like, why are you insecure? And then you're like, wow, like I should feel that way about myself, you know? And so it kind of really changes like how you see yourself. Mm -hmm. But the craziest thing that I don't know, people can call me nuts, but the craziest thing that has happened to me, and I think it's fascinating and it all relates to representation is after the retreat and still to this day, because I was around so many women who had like one arm, whenever I see people out and about like in just the world at the grocery store, or wherever, if a bag is hiding their arm or like a box is hiding their arm or something, I instantly am like, oh, they have one arm. <laughs> normalized in yeah. my brain because I've been so exposed to it where I'm like, this is what representation could do. Like if you see people mm-hmm. who have these differences, it becomes normal in your brain. It's not even like, I feel like it's everywhere now because I see yeah. it so much. And I'm just like, oh yeah, that person has an arm. That person has an arm. That person has one leg. Like, <laughs> it just feels normal to me. And I'm like, that is insane. That psychologically, like it can literally change by exposure to these things. And so many of us want to hide, yeah. you know? So it's like, you're actually by like, putting yourself out there and showing who you are and letting people know about your condition or disease or whatever. It's actually like, it can chemically like change people's brains. Yeah. So I'm just like, that's something that is amazing. And I almost want to write a whole short film about that. Cause it's oh my just gosh, like, yes. <laughs> so funny. I'll send my boyfriend like pictures on Instagram and be like, 
physical difference of like <laughs> something will be hiding, you know, like they'll be in front of like a bush and I'm like, they have one arm. It's like, like the same. <laughs> but it's cool. Like, I think it's, you know, it's real. Like representation really does matter. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, it, and this even like perfectly transitions out of sort of story time with Ashley moment and sort and perfectly transitions into the next segment we're going to do with you because we're going to be framing the whole segment about building a guidebook in line with the new short film you will be making. So our next segment is Medically Adultish Guidebook. Medically Adultish Guidebook. So with the Medically Adultish Guidebook, this is so often young adults living with all different types of chronic illnesses and disability, especially when they're a young adult. They're not only just sort of figuring out their interests and finding themselves, but then you have to add on the other complexities of finding yourself while also living with a chronic illness and disability. So we know how much you guys virtually connect and share advice and life tips with one another. So we built a segment where we get to build different medically adultish guidebooks to life on different topics. So in the in the spirit of Ashley's new short film that you will get to be seeing all over her Instagram, she has testimonials all over it for single. We're going to be building a guidebook to dating with chronic illness and disability. And so if you guys are not watching this on our YouTube channel, definitely make sure you can check that out because we're going to be having having little graphics popping up of a bunch of the different testimonials um, that Ashley has on her Instagram. And we'll all, like I said, in the beginning of the show, we'll be linking all of that below. So you can check out and read a lot of these Q&As with some of these incredible young people and amazing couples that Ashley has got to. And she also has a Q&A with herself and her boyfriend too, which is a fun read. So you should definitely check that one out too. Um, so kind of going in the vein of social media, like you had mentioned, um, what would be some tips that you would think of using social media as a tool for advocacy like you do now, but then also knowing that social media is such a useful way of getting to know people that you might be set up with on a date or them getting to find out more about you. Yeah. Um, I think being open is really, really hard, mm -hmm. but it's really important. Like I, I was in a serious relationship for two years before any of the app dating, before any of that stuff, like, um, we didn't meet virtually or anything. Um, and after that relationship ended, I was like, I don't want to do online dating mm. or any of that because I was so nervous. Like, I know I can post, like, I know how my relationship with Facebook was, is like, I would just crop. It'd just be my face. You wouldn't see my body. You wouldn't see my arms or my hands or anything. And I was like, that's what online dating is going to be like. You know, it's going to be so tough because they're going to think, oh, like, I'm into this person, but they don't know all this other stuff. So yeah. I started online dating by, it was like a, like a one where you could write a really lengthy bio. It was more like, um, my coworker was, we were all kind of like, let's just all sign up. You oh, know, boy. everyone's like single. <laughs> and so I wrote this like lengthy post about having a bone disease, having ovarian cancer because I can't have my own kids. So like mm -hmm. I'll want to adopt or do something like that down the road. And that's, you know, you just want to be open. Yeah. So I wrote this really long lengthy thing, but like I wouldn't show any pictures that really like dis displayed anything. So it's like, it, you know, and I still met like some cool people from there, but I was still so nervous to go on these dates. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, they're okay with it on paper. Are they going to be okay with it? You know, on mm -hmm. like in person. And so these dates would just be like, you know, I went on a lot of them, but it was just so like, stressful. And then the more and more I went along, like dating, I ended up like 
by the, before, right before I met my boyfriend, like I was the most vulnerable with my photos on the dating profile site because mm-hmm. I got so over like going to these dates and then the guy you could tell he's like, Oh, like, I don't know about this. Or you could tell it was kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. And so I was just like the most open, even like showing pictures that I wouldn't even put on my Facebook on my dating profile. And there's still people who are interested. Like you think like, Oh, no one's going to reach out then. And they still do, you know? So it's good to just be like, weed out the people who aren't going to want to interact with that because like, don't waste your time. Don't go on the date, you know? So it's like, it doesn't mean no one's going to be interested. And of course you don't want that to be the first thing they see, but it's a part of your life. And whether, you know, you like it or not, it's something that they're going to have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And I think addressing it is really important. Like that's one thing in, in my relationship now that's like really powerful is that I can talk to my boyfriend about this very in depth, never feel insecure. Like he's going to you know, think, Oh, she's like weird or strange or whatever. He makes me feel like empowered by it and yeah. see it, sees it as a strength. And I know where he stands with all of it, you know, and there are times where I get a little like, Oh, what is he going to think about this bathing suit pick? Is he going to be like, Oh, like, I don't know, <laughs> but that's like your insecurities. Yeah. It's like feeding into yourself. So it's, you know, and I can have that conversation with him and he's not like weirded out that I'm like, yeah, I get these feelings of like, are you going to be okay with that? And he's like, you do you. Like, I love you. It doesn't matter what you want to post or not, you know? So, yeah, um, yeah, that's, I think just being open, like you're doing yourself a huge favor, but I do think, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, I can see the other end of it, but for me, it's really just like, it's really worked out to be open because then I, there's, and I mean, the whole soul pancake thing really like now everyone knows. <laughs> Every people, dads in grocery stores know. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's how me and my boyfriend now met is we met through soul pancake because awesome. he saw my video and he's a filmmaker. And like, I got a lot of really strange people <laughs> reached out to me thinking this is my like dating call, which <laughs> I was like, you should watch the video again. Cause I am not like looking. For <laughs> I was like, I, don't, I didn't remember that part of com- your yeah. conversation. <laughs> and so I kind of like banned myself from responding to men because mm. it got a little tricky mm-hmm. and I was just very uncomfortable. And so, um, then my boyfriend, like he followed me, sent me an emoji. I saw that he's a filmmaker and I was like, then I started to stalk him. <laughs> As like, we do. I was like, he's in Canada. Like, it's fine. Oh, you know, like, Canadians. we can filmmaker friends. And that's, like, literally just what I thought it was going to be. And it just kind of transpired into this thing. And then he came to L.A. And now, you know, he's potentially, like, trying to move out here. So Nice. I love that. And I love yeah. how you said that, too, even with, like, even with your social media, like, how, how that evolved of you, like, building more and talking about sort of your filmmaking and talking about your activism work and just sort of your own personal photos as well. I know that's a big thing we'll say is um, sort of embracing all the different facets of you, especially on social media, because that's how people see it. And finding people that you would like to sort of mirror that blend, someone like yourself and your Instagram of how you blend your work with your activism or even like Sarah Heron as well, her Instagram account, how she blends the SheLift work with her own personal work too. It's finding people people who have built that balance so then other people who might be then finding you on Instagram as well right. for dates and too. Yeah. I mean my boyfriend said he followed me because I said filmmaker at the top of my it wasn't because oh on Soul Pink <laughs> I saw her she's like 
cute or whatever. It was like, <laughs> he saw that I was a filmmaker and he's like, Oh, mm. like, I wonder where maybe I'll see her films or, you know, whatever. So it's, um, that's really how we connected. So it really does come down to like, what are your interests? What mm-hmm. do you, you know? And I think that's something too, like if you are an activist about your illness or medical condition, yeah, mix it in with stuff that's not about it. Because yeah. like, is, unless that's what you think about and do every single day, it's like you should reflect who you really are in addition to, you know, and I think because that's the huge thing is we're put into this box of like, oh, they have a disability. Yeah. And it's like, no, I'm like a filmmaker. I'm a friend. I'm a sister. I'm all these things that are like not about that at all. Mm-hmm. And most of the people in my life don't even really like think about it. Yeah. You know, they, they don't see me like that. So knowing like if your Instagram is all about your condition or something, then it might be sending the wrong message of like, they want to get to know who you are, you yeah. know? And it's okay to do that. Cause that's part of activism is like just sharing the truth of who you are. Yeah, no, I agree oh. with that. And even kind of going off of that too. And with a lot of the testimonials sort of with your short film that you'll be making a lot of <laughs> the different couples and especially a lot of the women talked about sort of before they got into their relationships, they're in the sort of the rejection or the negative dates that they had as experiences too, and how that sort of shaped them to move forward positively in other um, relationships and the currently the relationships that they are in. So I wanted to have sort of tips on your end too, that you would, if you were giving it to other young adults, especially a lot of young women with illness or disability, how to handle the negative side of sometimes dating with an illness or disability. So I would say, like, I went in on a lot of online dates. Like, I was single for four years before I met my boyfriend. <laughs> so um, I – and there's a bunch of, like, awesome people that I met. But, you know, it would be one of those things where i go on a date and 50% of the time the guy would like me and I'd be like, I don't know. And then 50% of the time, like, I'd like them and they wouldn't be into it. And so it was literally kind of just like – I maybe didn't like the guy because he, I think his nose is too big and that's like so shallow. And so kind of like, wow, like I can't believe that I would think that, but we're all human. And like, if a guy isn't interested because of your medical condition, it's like, you know what? That's okay. Because I'm not interested in certain guys because of certain things, you know, it's kind of like not taking it personal, even though it's like the most personal thing. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's knowing that there's people out there who will be interested and like, you know, it's, it's finding where it's that mutual connection, you know, and, and where you both kind of feel the same and it's just kind of like a numbers game and, and keeping your spirits up while you're doing it all and not kind of wasting your time on people that, you know, aren't treating you right or good or, you know, I think one of the things that some of the women, when we went to she lift, were like kind of dating guys, like, like one of them I think was dating guy who's just like sketchy and not good to her and like didn't treat her right and there's Mm -hmm. sometimes like I feel lucky because I never was in a situation where I was with someone that was like treating me terribly you know and so but I think some women who have like medical conditions or illnesses will think like oh maybe this is like the best it's gonna get yeah and I think it's knowing that like your standard should be just as high as everyone else's yeah and I think it should you know, you're going to have to also deal with a lot like Mm -hmm. in your life and you need someone who's strong. And if they're not being good now, like, man, down the road, like, how is that going to unfold? You know, so I think having that high standard and just, you know, being knowing that the people who do reject you, it's like, 
you know, you don't like anyone, everyone either. You know, it's like yeah. they're not comfortable with medical conditions. Okay, that's their thing. Like, I'm not comfortable with certain things that, you know, like, yeah. it, it's just a human thing. So I think trying to kind of see it from that objective and keep going into it. And like, you know, I, ha- I had a really bad date that a guy, <laughs> it's kind of a long story, but a guy, like, you could tell he was uninterested. And we were like, hanging out at his house, made dinner, all this stuff. And then, like, was so uninterested, he started, like, picking the dead skin off his toes. Oh, my God. And I was like, this is the worst day I've ever uh, been out in my life. But it's, like, it, it's just, like, my friend set me up on that date. And it just, mm-hmm. end of the day, I was like, I don't even think I'm into it. Like, I was upset about it. But then I was like, I don't even think I like him. And yeah. it's kind of one of those things where you just have to keep going. Like, yeah. as much as rejection hurts. And I mean, it hurts so bad, you know, but um, you just keep going and they're out there and knowing that they are out there and all the people that I featured, like there are people who are so loving and see it as a strength and who see it as empowering and are so about it. And like, it makes you unique. Like you've seen the world in a different way. You have a different lens than everyone else. And there are people out there who are going to want to, you know, like be with you and deal with that. Yeah, no, especially I think that's great, because even with a lot of the testimonials, you mentioned a lot of the um, even with the their boyfriends or their partners that they were with, a lot of the women were even saying, well, they don't they don't look as at my health conditions or my disability as baggage. It's just sort of this is where I need assistance in life. But they, too, need to have somebody where whether it's professionally or emotionally, they also need support. Mine's just more medical support versus the other parts of my life. And it's just using, like you said, that framework is super important yeah yeah 100 percent. totally agree so what about um as as you said you did do some some of your dates were from dating apps um and so even a lot of the other women in your testimonials were they had met men in different ways um even in your film um as that you'll be making with single that'll be a whole sort of situation as well um with your lead so how would you say sort of um tips to meeting people um meeting new people whether it's through apps or just sort of out and about Um, yeah, I think apps are a great way to kind of, I mean, apps can be addicting and also (laughs) like, you don't know if these guys are serious on apps or, you know, what you're looking for, Mm -hmm. but I think it is a good way to kind of screen them. Like I, cause in college, it's like I used to meet guys at parties or bars. And then it was that whole thing of on our first real date. I'm like, did they know? (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, they know, and like, it's not really something you reveal over text before you meet them in yeah. the sense of like, by the way, I, you know, before I was really open on social media, it's like, I would meet someone at a bar and then they'd ask me out on a date. And then the entire time I'd be like, how am I going to bring this up? <laughs> like, are they going to notice? Yes. Do I bring it up? Should they ask? Like, ah, oh, it was just whole like struggle. So I'm like, anything where like someone's mind can be altered <laughs> before like meeting them and they cannot maybe notice certain things or not really realize like these things about you mm-hmm. which is more if you're hiding yourself if you're open then they'll see it you can be like here's my instagram like here's my soul pancake video. <laughs> i'm um, just gonna send you a link <laughs> yeah and so i think it's um i think apps are a good way to go i think being in like communities and and um you know like filmmaking groups i'm in and I think just kind of being social is a good way to like meet people. Um, But yeah, I don't, I think, you know, my, my short film deals with two people being set up who both have 
disabilities. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, the girls really upset about it because the only reason they got set up is because they have disabilities, yeah. which is really like, I mean, that's setting two people up who were, you know, like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just, they both wear black shirts or something. Yeah. You know? it's, it's so absurd where, yeah, you do have a little bit of like life experience that you've dealt with. But like, as far as who you are as a person, you can be like dramatically different because of that, you know? So it's like, I think you can meet people in your community. Like one of the girls I featured, she, her husband now, they met at like this Lucky Finn camp and it's like this really beautiful story and, but they like are so connected and in love and it's not even like, oh, you're different. I'm different. We should be together. So don't force that. Like, I think you're just setting yourself up for like. You know, because it, it also is hard, like, when you're both having the same, like, if you both have any issues around it, you're both dealing with the same thing in, mm-hmm. in a sense where it's almost, I don't know, where they, they have no insecurities about it. They're totally, like, we just know we're supposed to be together and that's it. Yeah. You know, and he actually got hit by a train wow. and she was born with one arm. So, like, so it's not too. even the same. Yeah, it's like they happen to be you know, these two people, it's not like he was born with that and she was born with that. So, um, I would definitely suggest not forcing that if it happens naturally. I think that's awesome and great, but you know, you're, you don't have to date someone who has a disability or illness. Like you can, you can date whoever you want. Yeah. And I love that you said that too, um, sort of in a twofold with it, that you had mentioned sort of finding either just even groups on your end, being a filmmaker, finding even other social media groups or Instagram accounts that are more for that community and that niche of your interest. So then you could even naturally find people through that way where it's less of an app and more of just they're in your own interest. But I do love that you said um, with that, even going into what your short will be and having two people with disabilities being set up, that's something fantastic for the the sort of healthy able-bodied network that you have as friends and siblings and co-workers um, being able to then watch your short because that is even on my end loads of times will be oh you should meet this guy his sister has a chronic illness and I went well, what are, what are they like? Um, yeah. but he gets it. And I'm going, well, that's not gonna, that's not gonna help me. Yeah. I mean, it, it's great that we'll have some common knowledge, but that doesn't mean there's going to be common interests right. or chemistry just cause right. he knows what a hospital looks like more than the average Joe on the street. Um, that'll yeah, help me out. <laughs> the most telling thing about this is when I pitch it to people, you know, just like even in the film world and just, you know, random people, they'll be like, I don't get it. Like, why would she be mad? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's this why. Needs to be <laughs> this is <laughs> why my film needs to be made. <laughs> yeah, it really needs to be, you know, and it's a hard topic to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of was like worried when I first created this short because I was like, it's basically saying you don't want to be associated with someone who's different because you're different, which is true. It's part of the narrative. Yeah. Like, it's as much as that is something hard, and now I feel totally different. It's not like our fault. It's these unconscious like bias that society has put on us because of like how people react to the word disability or medical issues. You know, like people are so afraid of it that we've adopted these things of like, I don't know if I want to be associated with that, you know. So and I think it's good because it opens up the conversation for why we feel this way instead of feeling shame and feeling like, wow, I'm such a terrible, bad person. You can actually be like, this is something that like culture and society has created and this isn't your fault and addressing it actually makes you feel the opposite once you address it yeah you know and and, and it allows like a conversation just to happen so um 
you know, I, I was really nervous and almost wanted to abandon the project because of that, not knowing how my community would respond and mm-hmm. be like, why is she being mean to a guy that has a physical difference? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, this is something, you know, it's not the narrative for everyone, but it's definitely for a lot of people that yeah. I met who are like, oh my gosh, I so resonate this with this, but like in secret where I'm like, well, let's talk <laughs> about it. Let's make, you know, it's, we're all kind of in this together. And I think it's something that is good to discuss. So. Yeah. Even kind of going off of that too, and going into our last segment, um, you had sort of described your female lead of your new short single as being someone who is, um, has a very, has a very upfront attitude with her, her disability and how she addresses other people. It is that very strong confidence that she has as a character. So it would I would imagine that we would describe her what we have as our final segment with Ashley as a rebel game changer status. Rebel game changer status. So with Rebel Game Changer status, we're actually going, this is where what we like to call as our form of activists as the people who rebel against the stigmas that have been sort of put in as the norms and us getting to build our own stereotypes of what it is to have a chronic illness and disability. And a big thing that we wanted to focus on, which is so much of Ashley's platform with her filmmaking and her own activism, is that sort of power of vulnerability and sort of using her films as well and that background she has with her characters that she's written and developed into these um, short films um, and will be in her next short film as well as seeing the different types of um, game changers that can be and how you can become one of them too. So kind of even I even sort of addressed this as well before I asked the question um, is a big part of your activism style is vulnerability and using that as a strength. So why um, why has that been such a big part of the way you discuss disability and physical difference? Yeah, I think um, vulnerability connects people. So Mm -hmm. I think it's like we all feel so separate, you know, and even like within our communities, like people can see us as separate, but then they realize like my insecurities or my struggles is something that they struggle with. And I think that's been the most fascinating thing about my soul pancake is like people resonate with my video that have depression, that are transgender, that are um, you know, like struggling with different types of illnesses or just like my, you know, family has never got along and it's something that I've hit it. Like, it's just crazy where I'm like, wow, I never knew that this video would like relate to someone like that. I thought it was going to be like people who have (laughs) old ears would be like, Oh cool. Like this video (laughs) out there. And it's just these, I still get them like today in my like requests, like Sometimes I'm, I forget about it and I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, it's still coming in, yeah. which is cool. And it's something that like the ripple effect of being vulnerable is insane. Like it's something that all never, like you can never actually measure the impact it has, but putting yourself out there and being vulnerable, like helps someone else be vulnerable mm-hmm. and brave about their, what they're going through. And I think talking about what you're going through is healing. And I think sharing with people what your experience is, is like, I don't know, there's something about it that just like heals you. And I think then you feel empowered. Like, I never thought I would be like an advocate for this type of stuff ever. I was just like, I'm just not comfortable. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, but being open and, and sharing with people my struggle and like what I was going through. Now I'm like super confident about it and like really want to be someone who can make change and and show people on screen who have physical differences and Mm -hmm. talk about it and be a representation of someone like 
I went on Crazy Rich Asians. I was with like the whole cast and crew, like doing all this stuff. And I want people to be like, you could do something like that too. Or, or, you know, seeing like it just being kind of like an, an empowering thing. And, um, yeah, I think with my film, you know, she is someone, she's on a journey. So she's, I love journey people. (laughs) He, the, the male character is a little more, um, about vulnerability and he's like, wanting her to open up. And so she's like on a trajectory, mm-hmm. but she's someone who kind of calls out all the things in life that sometimes we have to be really nice about, yeah. you know, like we're, we're, I don't want to be mean to the little kid. I don't want to be mean to, and she sometimes feels like I can, and I'm going to be mean to <laughs> which is kind of like living vicariously through a character. And yeah. you know, you realize, you know, she's kind of just like struggling too. And I think that's part of why she's going to, you know, this character is like a game changer because she is struggling and we're going to see her journey and we're going to see where she's coming from. And then we'll see like where she goes to, you know? So I think, um, yeah, that's kind of like that, that character and stuff. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned even too, that the male counterpart is all about vulnerability because especially men in the chronic illness or disability community, they tend to sometimes not get as much representation, especially in media. So to then have both of your leads in this community, um, as well is really a benefit. And then using that tool of empowerment through vulnerability is a great way, especially for both for a male and female character. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, we, we've been kind of like casting and I'm really excited. Like you haven't seen people who are like young, beautiful, interesting, like in the disability space, it's always like, you know, victim or it's kind of like, they're like nerdy or something. Like, I don't know. It's just like, where I'm like, why is it always that way? Why can't they be like, the lead that's like the most attractive person in the room, Yeah, you know, like why can't they be that person too? And, um, that's what I'm like excited to do is get like two young people who have good chemistry and like, this is interesting and fun to watch. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I love that too. Even kind of going off of that, especially with your, um, short from, from last year, blue, the big, there was a big topic of sort of the, the lead in that short film as well. There was what she felt as a young person, um, that, sort of stereotype of not being oh. medically normal. Are we good? What'd you say? Oh, yeah, we just no. like a connection. <laughs> um, sort of with your short film, Blue, your female lead in that as well, um, especially being in school still and with her friend group, that sort of feeling that pressure and that fear of not being medically normal was something that um, definitely was a part of her arc in that story too. So I kind of wanted to see what you thought from your own work as a filmmaker and then also um, as yourself as the activist, what are some different ways you would suggest people who are having that internal struggle of um, self-confidence and being fearful of representing their chronic illness or disability? What would you sort of suggest to them to be able to do to harness that bravery for them? Yeah, I mean, I think it is just being vulnerable. And Mm -hmm. I think it's taking that step. It's almost like a coming out, like Mm -hmm. situation, (laughs) where it's like, you're having to own this part of your life that you you may feel shame in. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just this like, crazy, you know, like, succession of feelings where you're like, Oh, I feel shame that I'm different, or I have a medical condition. But now I feel shame that I feel shame. (laughs) It's the spiral, where it's like, just let yourself like, it's okay to feel like you want to hide things, but I, I push you to try and be open. Like even now, I mean, you know, it's even one of those things where 
I am on this journey of being open on my social media and Instagram and stuff. This has only been since like my soul pancake. Honestly, that was yeah. the first time I've ever really done something like that. In person, I will go, you know, even on Crazy Rich Asians, like I was on the beach in my bikini, like in person, it's different. I was so scared of like the internet, like yeah. just being able to like circulate this thing of me and what like people from my past would think or people, you know, just like all these feelings. And, um, I still get those. Mm -hmm. I still feel like, Oh, do I really want to post that picture? I don't like how my hands look there. Oh, I feel weird. Or what is this person going to think of me? But I honestly, I just like turn down the volume on all those voices and I post it anyways, because I'm like, you know what? Like people, this is going to affect someone. This Mm -hmm. is going to help someone in some capacity And, like, representation, it has to start with, like, us and our bodies and, like, you know, just kind of being open. And someone's going to see it and be like, wow, like, oh, she she does have old ears and she is, you know, a filmmaker and she's doing this stuff. And, like, maybe that's something that I could do or, you know, just feeling not alone in it. Yeah. Which I think is really um, just really powerful. And that's, like, what my whole Soul Pancake video is about is how people would see me and think, like, oh, but – she's not like me, you know, cause you couldn't really tell in yeah. photos. And then I'm like, no, I am like you. I probably, I probably have one of the more like severe cases of oilers mm-hmm. than other people because it's, um, you know, pretty much like affects my whole body yeah. for some people. It only affects their hand or their leg or just like pretty minor that it is kind of hard to tell, but I want people to know like, no, I look very different. Like when I go into a room or situation or I'm in a bikini, like my body is different. And I think it's like, pushing past those voices of fear of like, who's going to like, my whole thing is like, what's the worst that's going to happen. And if it's like mm-hmm. dating wise, like, yeah, maybe a guy doesn't talk to you, but that's going to happen at some point anyways. Yeah. You know, like that is going to come to a head no matter what, when you're dating and you know, whatever. So it's like, that shouldn't even be a reason of why not. You know, it's, it's one of those things where I always felt if I was vulnerable on my social media, like in, on Facebook, like in college, I'd be like, no, everyone would be like, oh, like she's weird. We don't want to hang out with her. But it's like I was hanging out with 10 people in person and they knew. <laughs> like, it's weird. In the real world, they all knew. <laughs> yeah, like people know they've seen my hands and they, you know, that's like the first thing that you can't really hide your hands unless you're wearing mittens all the time. Yeah. But, it's, you know, so it's just one of those. I don't know. It's just pushing past. And doing it anyways, even though you're really scared and you're scared how people are going to judge you. And I think write about that. When you post something, like write about it. Like when people know and you be vulnerable, like all the girls that I featured on my Blue stories when I was doing like my fundraising for Blue, some of them, that was the first time they've ever showed a photo of themselves with their difference. Yeah. And it's like that is um, really powerful. And, and, And even like. Laura, um, that I met recently who has my same bone disease, she was like, I wasn't open until I saw your soul pancake. And I'm like, that's nuts where everything in my body was telling me, don't do it. Like driving there. I was like, don't do it. Like, <laughs> everything, even like me taking off the jacket with soul pancake. I didn't even tell the producers I was going to do that because I wanted the freedom to mm-hmm. like not do it if I didn't want to. Yeah. And then when I did it, they were like, okay, like that's powerful. And that's like become the thing that like has, you know, kind of just everyone resonates with is like exposing yourself. And, and the crazy part too is like once you start to do that and you become more familiar with it, 
you change. Like I talk yeah. about this in my second soul pancake video, like the update where it's like, I used to be, have like a very visceral like reaction to seeing photos of myself. Like I don't like it at all. Like I just feel totally like a monster basically. And now it's like, I'll look at photos of myself and I see it with like compassionate, like loving eyes and thinking of myself as a little kid. And like, wow, like why did I put so much of that stress on myself? And like, not just like embrace who I was and really like, because the thing is I made it so unfamiliar to myself that it was shocking and weird to see, you know? So it's, um, now that I'm like comfortable with it, I'm like, wow, it's so weird. I used to think that picture was so bad and so Mm -hmm. shocking and so terrible when it's literally just like, it's not even that bad. And, and, and your eyes change, you know, your, your mind and like your heart and all that stuff changes. But the more you kind of put yourself out there and, and expose it and there's not things to hide behind and it's, you know, it's hard, but I think it's going to be a lifelong process knowing, you know, how it is still where I'm like, I'm not a hundred percent, you know, and there's, there's habits that you still form that stick with you because you've done it your whole life. You know, like when I'm sitting at like a dinner table or like a a table, I'll always have one of my hands like under the table and it's how I sit and how it feels natural because I've done it my whole life. (laughs) And I have to sometimes like force myself out of these habits that are really strange when you actually kind of examine them with an outsider perspective where it's like Mm -hmm. I used to always favor like tables in a restaurant that are near a wall. So like, cause the right side of my body is more affected by my disease. So I felt like if I'm more against the wall, like when people walk into the restaurant, they won't really like have that reaction. They'll have to see it, you know? So it's like this whole weird process that happens everywhere I go. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's kind of, um, just become second nature and it's pushing against that. I mean, like, it's okay. Like you can, you can have that part of your body showing to the front of the restaurant. It's not good. Like that's Okay maybe this will be the first time someone sees someone different, but it just opens their eyes to be like, Oh, I have seen that before. Yeah. And even even kind of going off of what you said too, you hit like two points that I was like, definitely wanting to bring up too was the fact that you said it's, it's the way in which you sort of the lens that you view yourself or view other people um, is how you would be able to build that self-confidence and build your own advocacy for yourself and doing it more in a platform manner is sort of keeping that third person narrative of if you would want to do something or go and be with other people or posting photos on social media that might show your physical difference or chronic illness or disability more. Um, it is sort of that third person sense of would I would I tell my sibling or my best friend that they should feel just as self-conscious and uncomfortable? Would right. I tell them that's okay? And most of the time, it's sort of giving yourself that mental reality check of I wouldn't allow my sibling or my best friend to feel what I'm feeling right now. I would want to empower them and giving yourself that sort of taking it out of your own mind and thinking about it for another person is a great way to sort of advocate on your own end. And what I love that you said too, is that it's a journey. The biggest thing, especially even with representation and wanting to be part of the representation yourself, even with my own health journey, many people knew I wasn't, I 
was very private about my chronic illnesses. I hid anything I could um, because I had constant negative reactions from friends, either walking away or being uncomfortable or they uh, made jokes. They didn't want to ask questions. So I became very private about my chronic illnesses and everything as it started to affect different parts of my body as well. And for me, it was realizing something you hit on um, like right on the head was it's a journey. It's not, oh, I've, I've got empowerment down and I went to a seminar and boom, today I'm going to be empowered from today and forever. And it's not, you can have bad days, even through months of feeling very confident. You might have one day with one photo or one comment that just sort of hits you in that sore spot. And it's knowing that it's okay to not be like super woman every single day, especially with a chronic illness or disability. I totally agree with that. And I think also the first time you are like, say, you know, I used to always think about like going to the beach because I went to school in San Diego and that was like a huge thing. Like going to the beach was a thing. And I was always like, would never go with guys, would always go with my friends. But even my friends, like, you know, it's that thing of like, yeah, the first time they see that you're different, it's going to be a little like, okay, they're like getting used to it. But then it's like, we can go to the beach all the time. And like, they're not, they know, yeah. you know, and kind of like, yeah, I'm still a little insecure about it, but it's not like they're gonna, it's that shocking, like, oh, this is the first time we know or see it or whatever. So I think that's something that um, the first time is always kind of the hardest. Yeah. And then it does get easier. It's still hard. And you have to push yourself and, and force yourself to mm-hmm. get out there because you can fall really easily back into the same habits. Like it happens for me during winter, like winter, you're all bundled up, you're in a coat, like everything is all like really hidden. Like you can't really tell you get no looks, you walk around and you're like, this is great. (laughs) (laughs) And then March and April comes and you're like, oh, damn it. (laughs) Yeah. And then you're like, it starts to get warm and you're kind of like, oh yeah. Like just that thing that I said about my friend and her, her little niece, like I was wearing like a really short sleeve that was almost a tank top and like overall, it was like one of the hot days. And I was kind of like, yeah. Oh, like this is what happens when I wear like short sleeves and stuff. So it's like, I have to be like reminding myself just like, okay, wear a short sleeve again tomorrow. You know, like you can't go back into like, okay, now I'm going to wear, you know, you can't let it like reverse you, but it could, you know, like it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely like tricky to, to just take self, like be self-aware and take check of like where you are with it. And if you're doing these things to really like get back into that habit, so just like push yourself, go post a bikini picture. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, like, yeah. Like, do something opposite of being insecure to kind of like push yourself and be like, okay, yeah, that's still who I am. And I have to like be okay with that. Yeah. You know? And even knowing that like, you can take a step in trying posting even more photos that show or even using more medical um, adaptive equipment, even on my end, um, using a cane for the first time. I made sure that my older sister was with me. My mom was with me. So I felt okay. having that security of my family, my closest people there, that if people were going to stare because I'm younger looking and physically healthier looking when I was wearing pants, yeah. I couldn't see why I needed a cane. Um, having that end of it, knowing I, I was doing something for the first time. So I took those extra steps of being, okay, I'll do it for the first time once I have my support network with me. So I felt right. more comfortable doing it. And right. then knowing yeah. if it has a bad reaction, you can always try another option. You can try um, being a self-advocate for yourself in different manners because everyone does it differently. Even with your films as well, your leads for both shorts are very different, but they they do both have journeys of 
being um, more vulnerable and empowering themselves with um, a chronic illness or disability and the different ways that they get to do that. Yeah. And I think, I think something that you mentioned is really important to also like (coughs) also mention is it's really good to have a support system. Like Mm -hmm. that is the one thing that brings me back to being grounded, to being in reality, no matter how I feel, no matter if I'm being insecure, it's like my sisters, my family, like my parents, my dad, like my brother, like all these people that are like my core, like my core best friends, like my boyfriend. It's like, these people are going to love me no matter what I post, Yeah. no matter how weird they see my body or whatever they know about me or what I'm struggling through. And those are like, kind of like your life raft. Like when yeah, things really like, I'm feeling overwhelmed and I'm feeling really bad about myself. Like you have to go back to these people that are like, they love you and they're like your, you know, like your support through this. And that's really all that matters. Like if the world doesn't love you or the world doesn't, you know, think you're okay to exist or whatever <laughs> they're making you feel. Yeah. Um, those people still do. And I think that's just like so important because that's how, I mean, my sister, my younger sister is like, she's a nurse now because she's like helped me through so that. many surgeries. And she's just been someone who's been like, a rock through all of it. Like we were there in high school. She'd like, when I had surgeries, push me around on a wheelie chair and like all this stuff where if I didn't have her, it would have been really hard. So I yeah. think it's like really valuing those friendships of like, or your family that really know you, they know you like my sister's like, I don't even think about you having a book. Like she's like, yeah. I, it's not even like something that I really think about all the time. Yeah. You know? And she's like, Oh yeah. People ask me and I'm like, Oh yeah. I forgot. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. That's such a perfect way to even sort of end the that segment and sort of end the episode too is being able being your own rebellious game changer, being your own advocate that looks yeah. differently and that's not just you're not sort of the sole ranger doing it alone. There's people like yourself like are like in busy youth and the young adults that we get to work with that there's so many people that exist across an entire spectrum of chronic illness and disability too to find other networks of support and find ways that you can advocate and empower yourself in all different facets yeah I think the community aspect of it has been like the most amazing thing that I've ever experienced where I finally feel like proud to be who I am. Yeah. And I feel proud to be a part of the community, proud to like be a positive representation of someone living with something like this. So I think it, and that's what the community has done. Yeah. Because you, you meet each other, you're like, oh, you're cool too. And you're like you're doing <laughs> all this stuff. And it just makes you feel, you know, like you belong to something where I feel like our whole life experience kind of makes us feel opposite sometimes. Yeah. Well, what I'm proud of is that we got to have you on this episode and really make something incredible for other young people to learn from you and get to see so many fantastic, especially the representation process, which we always talk about getting to show it in so many different aspects of life with um, physical difference and disability or chronic illness and showing that representation in an authentic and passionate way is something that to be really proud of um, as well. So I want to, before we end the episode, I want to make sure since we've been, we've been chatting so much about your Soul Pancake video and you on social media and your shorts. um, I want to make sure you can tell all of the listeners and viewers where they can find you on social media and where they can find your shorts as well. Oh, we kind of broke up again. Sorry. 
Oh, so saying on social media, I want to make sure all of our listeners and viewers can find you and your Instagram and your shorts as well. So where can all of the people get to find more about you? Yeah, so my Instagram is Ash Eakin, A-S-H-E-A-K-I-N. And my shorts are not public yet. You can see some of my previous work, like the video I did for Cancer for College. Mm -hmm. There's a little documentary on there with some of the Crazy Rich Asians people. Um, Vimeo.com slash A-L-E films. Um, That's where some of my projects are. But my latest stuff isn't out yet, but Mm -hmm. that may be coming out soon this summer. So um, depending... Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure you guys have all those links. Definitely. And of course, everything as well, especially on Ashley's Instagram, all the even the promo videos like she's been talking about for so many people that she did testimonials and interviews with for the, her shorts. You can see so much of that on her Instagram, too. Um, so we'll definitely make sure that that's linked below. And as always, you can find Invisi Youth Charity on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at Invisi Youth. And you can find the Invisi Youth chat sessions on our YouTube channel and on all podcast channels. So Spotify iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, wherever you want to go and listen to a podcast, you can definitely find it there. Make sure you subscribe and give a five-star rating, thumbs up. I'm pretty sure the other stars don't work, so definitely five is preferred. (laughs) And so again, I want to really thank Ashley for being our guest today on this episode, and I'm looking forward to the next episode, and we will get to see you guys soon. Bye. See ya.